0: If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Drew Lang. I'm the youth pastor here at Golfside Church, and I'm super excited because Paul asked me to speak today, and uh, I hope you are ready. So let's just strap our seatbelts in. Let's get right started. Uh, How many of you love basketball? Does anyone love basketball in here? Okay, we got a few people. How many of you play basketball? I love you, Ralph. Thanks, man. So back in elementary school, I actually really liked basketball, and I could also play and I, was, and I was pretty good, you know, uh, for elementary school standards. I could score 10 to 20 points a night, you know. Uh, I, I had a decent dribbling handle. Uh, I could defend pretty well. Yeah, you know, I was, I was pretty good at basketball. And then I transitioned into middle school. And I'm like, man, there's a basketball team at our school, and I want to try out for this thing. So I signed up for all the papers. I get ready, and it's uh, two days. Two days for tryouts. It's just after school. So I'm ready, and the issue is not that I didn't know how to play basketball, okay? So I did. I was really good at playing basketball on a video game. (laughs) And I, I know this is shocking, but that's not the same as real life. So and, and, and it, I, I, I realized something very, very quickly. Drew, you suck. <laughs> like, okay, think about the things that make you good at basketball. Can you shoot? No, you can barely get the ball into the hoop. Uh, what about dribbling? You tumble, you tumble over yourself. You have two left feet. What about defense? Ah, that's where I got you right here. I sucked at defense. Um <laughs> And then, like, you know, even if I was, like, really bad at everything else, if I had really good cardio and I could run a lot, then I could just tire you out. Well, your boy had none of that, okay? Like, I may have been skinny, but I had the fat genes in my bones, and it was, it was bad. But for some reason, even though I'm playing against people that actually play basketball and were pretty good and have done this for more than, I don't know, 10 seconds... I don't know why, but during tryouts I was absolutely sure I was going to make this team. (laughs) And then the day came, and I realized, not only did I not make the team, I think I was like the last place out of everyone that tried out. Like, imagine Michael Jordan, take out all the skills that make him good, and I'd still be worse than that. (laughs) Like, it, it was not good, man. And I, I came to the realization one day that, Drew, you are not good at basketball, and it's okay. If you actually tried and practiced for once in your life, you could be good. Because turns out, video games don't equal real-life success. <sighs> I had to learn that one the hard way, man. <laughs> but I truly believed that I was going to make this team. I was confident about it. And my parents are actually here in the building. And I think, like, when I, when I figured out that I wasn't making the team, like, it was probably pretty funny for you guys, because you guys knew I was, I was bad. But I had the realization that, no, I'm terrible. I'm not good at this. But it's so funny, because all the evidence pointed to I'm really bad, and in my mind, I really believed I was really good. <laughs> I believed I was the next coming of whoever basketball player you want to insert right there. But I, it was truly bad. And it's so funny that we can believe something about ourselves, about other people, even about God. And it could be wrong. It could be a complete lie. But we're so convinced by it. We're so drawn in by it that you can believe a lie is true. And here's an idea that I really want you guys to sink in today. The issue, in my opinion, in church culture is not that we tell lies, I think we do a really good job with not doing that. It's that actually that we live them. The issue is not necessarily that we tell lies, it's that we live them. Because the same person that can never tell a lie in their life can have struggling issues with really believing who they are, who other people are, who Jesus is. They may never tell a lie, but they believe one. They may never say it, but they act like it. So today, I, I really, we're, we're in this series called Better. Better and the whole goal is just take a small step better. But I truly believe that if we don't focus the war on our mind first, if we don't realize that that's a battle and we don't choose to make that better first, then it's just, it's like an uphill battle. It's really hard to conquer it. So I really want to dive into that today. It's so funny because some of the lies that you've heard about yourself aren't true. And if you choose to keep them in your mind, rotate them every day. It will influence your actions, and it could literally change your life. Everything you do is a reflection of what you think about. So, for example, let me tell you some lies that are really dumb, and I think that we all agree are lies. Number one, Elvis is alive. (laughs) He ain't. The King of Rock is no more, man. Michael Jackson is also alive. No, Michael Jackson's dead. There are some lies that we can believe, and according to evidence that we have seen, there's still people that think that Elvis is alive. Now, those are some funny ones, and we can all all make jokes, ha-ha, laugh about that. How about this? Some of you believe the lie that the spouse that you married isn't the right one. Some of you believe the lie that even though you've grown up in church, you still think God doesn't love you. Some of you even believe the lie that the world would be better off if you didn't exist. See, we can all make fun about the first lies because those are pretty easy. We we can all talk about that one, but those ones hit more at home. Now, I I personally like to think about, okay, what does the Bible say about this and what does science say about this? Because I believe that they coincide. So let's talk about science. There's a guy named M. Scott Peck, and he originally wasn't a Christian. He did a very long study on human psychology and the way that people act, and he actually became a Christian out of it. And he made two conclusions. Okay, his two conclusions from an atheist to a Christian is first and foremost, there are evil people in the world. We know that Uh, Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death for all fallen short of God's glory. We're, We're all we're all fell. We're all evil. But the second one is interesting. Scott Peck's conclusion, as an atheist doing this study, is that the way people become evil is through lies. And I mean, we've seen this before. Someone good in a bad situation has their perspective warped. Is that you today? I want to challenge some of the things that you think are true. I want to challenge what we believe is true. And I want to put our hope on one thing, but we'll get there. I'm going ahead of myself and I'm super excited. So what does the Bible say about this? I think, I think this verse is super interesting. It's Psalm 10, 4. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. So if you want to fall away from Jesus and never serve him again, very simple. Don't devote any thoughts to God. Don't devote any time in your head. Don't reflect on his ways. Don't think about him. Don't meditate on his word. Don't pray about him. Remove all thoughts. Now, the opposite is true as well. If you want to grow in Christ, reflect on him. Know him more. See, where I think this is really interesting also comes with a quote from Dallas Willard. We truly live at the mercy of our own ideas. So I really want to challenge you with something right now. What do you think about? Everyone thinks about something. Because here's a quick example. Everyone think about nothing right now. You're all thinking about something right now. Merry Christmas. You just figured it out. We all think about something. And the goal in holiness is not to remove our mind from thinking about any sin. It's to fill ourselves up with righteousness. It's to fill our mind first and foremost. Do you devote time to that? Do you devote conscious time to that? Because I'll let you know, if you don't do that, there's an enemy that does. In fact, the enemy has a two-prong attack against you. It's super simple, super easy. He does two things. The first one is that he gets you alone. This is the tactic that Satan has used from the beginning of time, Adam and Eve. The very first thing that he did is he attacked Eve when she was away from Adam. He gets you alone. And as a youth pastor, I've seen this in almost every student that has tried to walk away from God. The very first thing that they do is they remove themselves from community. They stop talking to people. They remove themselves from their small group. They feel a little skittish about talking to me. Remove yourself from community. The very second thing that he does, once you're alone and isolated, he then feeds you lies about who you are, about who God is. And here's the best part. When you're alone and exposed to lies, it's almost impossible to fight back. Who's the community around you? Who's surrounding you? I think this is what makes Jesus' point so interesting in John eight thirty one through 32 l- l- Listen to this. This is, this is deep. If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Now, here's the best part. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus believes that one of the best ways to know his teaching is to believe in the truth. And the counter to that is Satan wants to believe, you to believe in lies. The gospel if you want to divide it into this concept, is simple. Jesus is the truth. Satan is a lie. Your thoughts go in one of those categories. So what do you focus more on? The truth of who you are in Christ and what, uh, what Jesus has done on the cross? Or what Satan tells you who you are? Are you condemned? Believing that you're a terrible person? are you confronted with the fact that you may have messed up, but God is good? Do you realize that Jesus loves you so much that he saved you as you are, but he also loves you so much that he won't keep you the same way? You can't have just one, not the other. What lies do you believe? This is where I think it it gets the most interesting. The deepest lie— that Satan tries to get us to understand and believe is super simple. God is not trustworthy. If he makes you believe that, everything is available. That God isn't as good or as wise or his timing is not perfect and that he will not come through. And think about it. Almost every sin that you've ever dealt with starts with a lie that God isn't as good as he says he is that his timing isn't perfect, that he will not provide, and that we must take it into our own hands. How many lies have you confronted like that recently? I'll tell you what, personally for me, this is hard because I, I know that God's good and I know he's going to provide, but I don't necessarily see how he's going to do that. So I, in my natural self, I try to force my way into his goodness. And every time I do that, I actually give up trusting him. There's a quote from a scholar, and I don't necessarily know if this is fully correct, but I think it's an interesting thought. He says that disbelief is momentary atheism. Believing that the moment, for that moment, what God has for you is not true. That there is better and he's holding out on you. And it's so funny, that's how Satan attacked Eve, right? Did God really say this? Did God really do this? Have you controlled your thought life recently? Do you know that God is good? And do you know that he is wise and has his best for you? Because we got to start there. Now, when we're talking about something like this, the thought that goes in my head, because I try to think about every angle is, well, if we're talking about lies and we believe in lies, then how do we even know what the truth is in the first place? Where do we even start with? And the world has a very interesting answer for this. It says, You can do whatever you want. Whatever feels good right now is great. There is no absolute truth. And a quick aside for that, are you absolutely sure? But as a Christian, where do we stand? Where do we start? Personally, I can't always trust my feelings because my feelings can go one way or the other. My feelings can be based off of my circumstances or my situation, not what the truth is. I can't always trust friends. I put my faith and my trust and my hope in friends, but I can't always rely on them for everything else because they're just as broken as I am. There's only one thing we can trust first and foremost. There's only one thing that we can put our foot on as solid ground, and that is the Word of God and who Jesus is. And we got to start there. So, as we work through some of the lies that you've been taught through in your head, that you say through yourself, the very first thing we need to do is does this match up with Scripture? So, I'm going to give you a very quick game plan. Four things. Four things. This is really easy today. This is the easiest test. I give you all the answers. If you struggle with lies, believing something about yourself that isn't true, and you need a way out of it, here's four things. The first one is you need to know what the truth is. So, let me put up some very simple questions, and all of you should ask yourself this. Number one Do you know what the Bible says about you? Do you really? Number two, do you know what the Bible says about God? Do you really? Number three, do you know what the Bible says about your situation? So if you're struggling, start there. You believe that you're nothing. Well, I know that God has saved me, he's redeemed me, and that he sees value in me when I don't, and no one else does. Well, is God trustworthy? The Bible says that he will never fail. In this situation, I don't know if he'll provide. He always provides in the right time. So if I believe those three things, I'm good. I may not understand how he's going to provide, but I know he will. And I'll stand on that. So that's your first thing. You need to know what the truth is. The second one, and this is really unpopular today with Gen Z. So as something as a youth pastor, I personally like to push this. You got to fill yourself up with the truth. I think the best quote for this is actually in Philippians 8. Uh, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, you've heard this before. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, now look at these last four words. Think about such things. It says in uh, in, uh, Colossians 3, set your mind on things above. And in verse 9, it goes, whether you have learned or received or heard from me or seen it in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, there you go. That's your action plan. Start to think about what's godly. Put your mind on higher things, on what God says is good. Put that into practice. And then the promise is so good, and the peace of God will be with you. You struggle with anxiety, whether it's medical or not medical, I believe in a God that goes beyond any circumstance or situation and anxiety does not scare him. You have struggled because people in the past that you've trusted before have let you down and now you believe that you're not a trustworthy person or you can't trust anyone. I believe in a God that loves you, that cares about you. And when everyone else fails, he does not. So first, know what the truth is. Second, fill yourself up with the truth. Third, you need to limit the real estate of lies in your head. Now, that's a very fun term. What does this mean exactly? I'll give you a very easy game plan. The moment that a lie starts to come into your head, put it as it says in Second Corinthians, which you'll see later. Actually, we'll, we'll put her up right now. We demolish every argument and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God in this last part, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to the Christ. So the moment that the enemy comes into your mind and starts to tell you things about who you are that are not true, remind yourself of what God tells you in Scripture. The moment you hear a lie, bring a Scripture about it. Now, this will be hard for some of us because this involves knowing some Scripture, and in this day and age, memorization is not the same as it was in the past. But I can guarantee you this. As someone who, in college, I had to memorize 300 Scripture for a test, and it was really hard for me. It was really taxing. And after the test, I actually forgot most of it. But every single time that I've ever been in need, it always came at the right time. Because God's faithful. So when you struggle with anxiety, pull out some scriptures about the peace of God. When you struggle with a lack of faith, pull out scriptures about how God will never fail you. You've got to fight fire with fire. And if it says in the Bible that the weapons of this warfare are not flesh and blood, but the powers and principalities of this world, then you've got to fight with that. And we have a weapon that's sharper than any double-edged sword. It goes beyond anything, piercing to the soul use that weapon. It has been given to us. And finally, the last, uh, the last guideline is very simple. You need to, I lost my spot. <laughs> you need to build yourself in community. Because in the way that Satan attacks you, he tries to get you alone first, even if you try to do all these things first and foremost, if you don't have someone that's backing you, it's just really, really hard to fight forward. We have a church family here that loves you and that cares about you. Get surrounded by them. You want a challenging statement? It's this other quote by Dallas Willard. And the more I think about this, the more I realize it's true. There is no problem to which discipleship to Jesus is not the ultimate solution. (sighs) Really? No problem. Yeah. Recently, someone asked me what was my favorite gift that I've gotten all Christmas and every Christmas I've ever had. I'm 25. Half the times, I don't even remember half the gifts I got when I was a kid. So how am I supposed to answer that? Like, that's really, really hard. And then I thought about it (sighs) three years ago. I got this special gift. These are Sony WH-1000 MX3s. Does anyone know what that means? That's okay, because I didn't either when I looked them up originally. These are sound-canceling headphones. These were top of the line when they came out. This is uh, something that I asked, like, man, can we put my birthday money and my Christmas money and combine it all into this one gift? Yeah, awesome. These things are incredible. Okay, first off, on airplane, whenever a kid's screaming, turn this on. Can't hear them anymore. Excellent. What about drumming? I can hear everything. I can, I can then turn it on. I hear nothing else. I don't even hear the drums. I just hear what I need to hear. What about when you need to study? I can just turn worship music on or rap music or whatever music you want, and I can focus. These things are like the best invention ever. And if you want like some good headphones, I know a dealer that you can get these from. But you know what's funny? There's actually, this is a USB-C cord right here, so you have to charge these things. They have a 32-hour battery life. Another reason why these are amazing, 32 hours. That's a lot of time. But here's something crazy about this, okay? You plug this in, you charge this up, and then after 32 hours, it doesn't work. Now, there's, a, there's an aux headphone here, so you can still plug in music here, but you can't get the sound-canceling effect that these headphones provide and that you're sold. Now, We can get mad at this. Why why isn't the battery longer? Why don't they have an infinite battery? That's not the point. You've been given very simple instructions on how to charge this thing. You're even given a cord and a brick. Just use it. It's really hard to fight against the lies of the enemy when you're not plugged into Christ. And it's not just the fact that you had to plug in once. It's a consistent thing And if you don't do it consistently, you'll run out of juice and it will be really, really hard to fight on your own when you have no way to cancel out what enemy is telling you. So even though you're you're supposed to build yourself in community, but that's not an excuse to say, I'm here once and then dip out for two months. You're shooting yourself in the foot. There is so much more that God has for you And there's so much more growth you could experience in your life. You just got to plug in. And do you know what's the best part? You're designed to do it. So when you do it, you'll be at your absolute best. Have you plugged into God or community recently? Now, I don't don't necessarily know what you're struggling with. I don't know what lies the enemy has told you. I don't know what you necessarily believe or what what you do or you don't work on. I can say this. This is something that I got. I got to work on. And band, you guys can come on out when you're ready. And a part of this series, one of the purposes of this is not to give a a really big idea and give you no action plan on how to work through it. So Paul wanted me to just offer this very simple thing. I don't know how much time you spend in scripture. Just start with five minutes, four times a week. Super simple. We all can find five minutes. I can change my baby's diapers a little bit faster and find those five minutes. Start simple. Start small. Maybe reading the Bible is really easy for you. And honestly, like, I'm kind of jealous of you because reading the Bible is really hard for me. Push yourself a bit farther. Do it a bit longer. Do it a bit more. We got to start somewhere. And the only way that we can really conquer the the lies in our mind is filling ourselves up with Scripture. What the truth is, who God is and who we are. So that's my challenge for you this week. What are you filling yourself with? Who are you listening to? Have you gotten unplugged and you've lost some power? Don't worry. It's easy to gain that back. And it all starts right here. I think the best way to end this is the way that it ends Philippians. And may the peace of God be with you through all that you do. No matter what you think, no matter what you face, no matter what you feel, let the peace of God be with you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. And Lord, I just pray that we get better at this. This is something that I struggle with. I I can be my own worst critic and beat myself up over things that I never even did. But Lord, I know you're good. And I gotta stop listening to what the enemy says about me and start listening to what you say about me. And all your promises, all your goodness. So Lord, I just pray in this moment, no matter where someone is, maybe this is the first time they came to church and they're like, this is a really weird guy just speaking on stage. Lord, I pray that you work through them that they understand who you are, that they have an encounter with you. And maybe someone's in here that's been to church their entire life and they know what this is, but they've really struggled with facing this on their own. Lord, I just pray that you work through them too, that you give them grace. We all can get closer to you. We all can understand you a bit more. So Lord, I pray that we give our mind to you, that we give our thoughts to you, And that we pursue you with our mind in the same way that we would pursue you with our body. Lord, I thank you for what you've done, but Lord, I praise you for what you're about to do. Amen.